Welcome to Hello Strata, hosted by Craig Bayliss, founder of Coastal Strata and My Bylaw. On this show, you'll find a mix of insights and tips from a straight-talking strata expert. Join us as we say Hello Strata. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Hello Strata. Today we've got a special episode. We went along to a first homebuyer seminar that was hosted by Be There Financial Services in Shell Harbour. And there's seven excellent speakers who will provide lots of information. So if you're a first home buyer, stick around. We have Cliff McGrath from PRD Nationwide Dapto, Robert from Simple Investing, Luke Crockford from Coco Accounting in Shell Harbour, Michael Hatfield from Cowles Lawyers in Shell Harbour, Lisa McDonald from Ray White in Shell Harbour City, Jeff from Heritage Bank, and Craig Mowbray himself. So over to the presenters. Welcome. My name is Craig Mowbray from uh, Be There Financial Services. Firstly, thank you for taking time out of hump day or hump evening to, to come and join with us with our first home buyer seminar. First, I'd like to invite, uh, he's actually uh, a, a great young guy. He does a lot of great work out there. The reason we invited PRD is because they are really in that first home buyer's market, especially up to 650000 Michael Hatfield is going to talk about some of those concessions and the benefits of that. So I'd like you to put your hands together, please, for Cliff from PRD. That day. My name is Cliff McGrath, I'm a sales agent at PRD Nationwide in Dapto. We are located on the Princess Highway, uh, just near Aldi there, and the TAB. Um, <coughs> we've been there for too many years, we used to be Armstrong Estates, 35 years plus in the Dapto area. Um, so look, we're dealing with a lot of first home buyers on a, on a weekly basis, coming to our open homes. Um, and look, I sort of said to Craig today, um, there's a few things that are really important, I think, for first home buyers. Um, as Craig said, there's never a... Never a silly question when you come to, to buying your first home. Um, I remember a few years back when I, was, uh, I wasn't in the industry and, and trying to buy my first home and you're looking around going from house to house and every Saturday they all sort of mould into one when you get back on a Saturday afternoon and you're trying to pick out which was the one you looked at and liked and go back and have a discussion with your partner and everything that you sort of thought you liked, they, you find out that she didn't or something like that. It becomes a bit of a fun journey every Saturday afternoon when you go home and discuss. Um, look, the way we do things, we always like to touch base with everybody, um, depending on how many open homes we have. We touch base with everyone, it'll be informal on a Saturday afternoon, um, just see if you've got any feedback for our vendors, basically, and see what you liked about the property. Not every property's going to suit you, um, it's always good to give you feedback. And then we, again, touch base on Monday morning and basically say, what did you like about it, what didn't you like about it, um, you know, what are you looking for, what other properties did you look for with other agents, um, and then we sort of give you the option if you'd like to be on our database um, and be sent to our properties that are coming on the market. Um, some of our vendors are really keen to, uh, to get people in prior to open day on Saturday, others not so much, uh, but we definitely send them out to you so you first and uh, you know, get that information first and you've got that opportunity to get in and uh, have a look at a property before they, uh, they come on the market. Hey, what, what's probably one of the most, what's the best piece of advice you give someone looking for a first home I suppose? Um, definitely be, do your research, get out there and look as, look at as many as you can. Um, we sort of meet a lot of people that, um, you know, they're, they're new to looking, but they haven't really done a lot of research. So you'll meet them and say, oh, it's the first week we're looking. That's fine. I, I, I remember when I went, I looked for a long time prior to looking and, and picking my first home. You knew that you sort of had your own opinion on what value was in the market. Um, a lot of people we meet, um, they, if, they, if they're really early in looking, they sort of sometimes feel like an agent is just pushing them up in price. 
Um, you know, but once you've had a good grounding yourself, you've seen all the properties available, you make a bit of a judgment yourself. You see what that one's sold for. Um, it's pretty, look, you've got a bit of a lead up these days. You can look on realestate.com and domain.com. You can see what things sold for. Um, you know, you've got that basically on your mobile phone. So do your research yourself. You can see what's been selling. Um, and then, yeah, when, you, when you're ready, you really need a good, you really need um, finance for somebody who's a good communicator, I find. Somebody who you can say, this is my financial, have your finances ready. Um, make them contactable to the agent. You know, you can really push that you're pre-approved and this is in my finances with. And, you know, Craig's one that's really, really good for that. You can, you can steer in the right direction there. Um, and just be ready, basically. Be ready to be able to put an offer in um, and put your best foot forward. Well, mate, we'll, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, we'll move on. Save your questions to the end for Cliff, but put your hands together to the Cliff. Thank, Thank you very much for coming. Um, one thing I will say about Cliff, he, he did just sort of show you guys a sneak peek then, and I talk about it through the back end, and I'm not sure if any other presenters do, but being a first home buyer is extremely emotional. And it's one of those four or five things in life that everyone has an opinion on around you. So it's your marriage, it's the name of your first child, and it's your first home. They're three massive things that everyone has an opinion on. And probably the biggest piece of advice that I can give everyone when you're looking at your first home and getting emotional is you're really, it's so hard that one of you, if, if you're a couple, just try and take that emotion out of it. And you saw a little bit, Cliff, that was, that was Cliff's first home and he, he's now selling it and he's a bit emotional because he's put a fair bit of effort into it. So piece of advice that I'll touch on again is just try and, try and take your emotions out of it, let your, let your head lead your heart. Um, in that regards. But thanks very much, Cliff. We're going to go to the um, dynamic duo of Rob and Dee. Dee's done a lot of my marketing as well, so I want to thank Dee for all of that. She designed all that. She designed our first home buyers flyer, and I've met Rob. He's a great guy. He's got his own business now. He's done a lot of building, so any questions around building towards the end, um, write them down and ask Rob, but I'll let Rob tell you his, his, his journey. Um, you know, when you've got a speech in your head and when you're up here, you completely forget it. That's what's just happened. <laughs> so I'll talk a little bit about um, myself and my business and obviously how I can help you guys and a little bit about building. Um, myself, personally, um, I've built a portfolio of 15 properties that are all positively geared. Um, that's allowed me to um, retire from working at the age of 34 um, and have enough income coming in from those properties to be able to not have to work. Um, on top of that, I've started getting to a little bit of uh, property developing. Um, so at the moment we've got, um, I think, five projects going on at the moment, um, from planning stage all the way through to construction. Um, our recent one at the moment is a 16 uh, unit um, apartments um, on uh, Lake Illawarra and Abrula Beach. So I, I know a little bit about buying property, I know a little bit about developing. So again, if you've got any questions at the end of the today, come and have a chat to me. Um, so that's about myself. Uh, I ran into a lot of problems when I first bought my first property, so I just want to speak a little bit about that because I know exactly how you guys feel. Um, so when I came to buying my first property, I, I did what everyone said to do, go, go to the bank, try to get some money. So I got about 250 grand um, from the bank. I went and bought a block at Shell Cove. Um, and I was like, okay, what do we do now? So I had to build a house on it to live in there. So I went to a builder, I talked to a few builders, and um, this is where the problem started. So they were like, have you gone to an architect to get some plans drawn up? Have you done any survey or contour reports? Um, have you got a DA approval from council? Do you need a three bedroom house? Do you want a four bedroom house? Do you want two story? Do you want one story? 
you want to pull that, you know what I mean? All these questions that I never even had thought of. I thought it was just get a builder to build a house and we move in. So one of the builders suggested I go back to the bank and ask for more money to, to build the house. So we've got a budget. Um, so I went back to this particular bank and um, asked for more money to build the house. And, and he said, we, we gave you 250 grand and that's all you could afford to, to, to give you. So at the time I was working at Bullies Packing Shelves, so 250 grand was a lot of money. I've got a block of land. I'm paying off this mortgage on this land. I can't have, uh, get enough money to build on the land. Um, I'm paying all the interest, I'm paying the mortgage on the land, I'm not utilising it. Um, and worse off even, um, we used to go down with my brother like probably every three weeks to mow the lawn. You know, it's the worst position to be in. I'll just slightly interrupt you there, Rob. <laughs> One point on that now, back in the day, the due diligence these days with finance, if you buy land, the banks actually want to know your intention, are you going to hold exactly. onto it as yeah. an investment? and flog it off like a lot of people have done around here in Calderwood or is your intention to build because your intentions to build how fair was it to give Rob $250,000 thinking great I've got land with his intention to build then with to go no back advice. and be told no yes with no so advice it's, it's just would know there's a lot more due diligence yeah. around buying land these days and building so I've gone to the bank can't get money so I've decided to sell so anyone who knows Shell Cove at the moment you probably think I made big money well guess what I did it we bought at the top of the market um, years ago when Shelco first opened for 245 grand, and we sold it for 200 and I think 220 or something like that. So we lost 20 grand on it. If I held on to that block today, we live there or we invest or whatever, it would probably be worth a real estate agents. No, nah, not a, just a block. It probably it, definitely over 650. That size block. So I've lost about the way I see it as an investor I've lost um, four four hundred and fifty dollar thousand dollars in capital growth the the cost of obviously buying the property the cost of selling the property real estate agents solicitors so forth and then obviously the 20 grand um, on top of that the biggest thing that I lost from that is the time um, if you guys are looking at buying your first home or home now and someone tells you um, you're not going to be able to buy your first home in another seven years how are you going to feel you know what I mean? And unfortunately, I didn't have any anyone around me at the time to, to help me to through that process. So that's probably where simple investing started. Um, I've seen a hole in the market at the moment, not just first home buyers, but people that want to invest. Um, even, if you, even if you can get the money from a broker or someone, they don't know um, what the process is or who they can trust to take them through that process. So being in simple investing, from today, from right now, I could help you from today all the way through to getting your keys. Um, I basically um, do all the heavy lifting for you guys. I'll organize um, everyone in this room to be able to, at some point in your um, stage of today, to getting those keys. Um, there's a process, obviously, and everyone in this room is part of that process. I actually do all that for you and take the stress out of that. As I said, I bought properties myself, um, I've um, sold properties, I've uh, bought heaps of properties for clients, so I know that I've got a bit of an idea of what the process is, so I can help you through that process. So I just want to give you some little quick easy tips to sort of um, help you guys through this um, journey, because it is an emotional time. Um, so how many of you guys 
have uh, sold a house? Or well, has anyone has had a house before? Did you sell a house? Yeah, did you use a, a real estate agent to sell it or you sold it yourself? Real estate. Okay, so the way I see it is the real estate agent will help you sell the house. Why wouldn't you um, hire someone to help you buy a house? So if I told you I charge you X amount of dollars, but you won't lose 450 grand like I did, or someone told me back then, if, 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 you, if you give me a fee like anyone else that charges a fee, I suppose you all go to work and you get paid, and I'll save you X amount of dollars, or I can convince you, not convince you, I can, uh, like as I said, in the last five years, Shell Cove, if you had a house in Shell Cove for half a million, it's probably worth 900,000 now. True. Mm. Um, so if someone could give you that advice, why wouldn't you take it? Why wouldn't you use it? Beautiful. All right, guys, next we've got up Luke from Cocoa County. Luke uh, from Cocoa County Financial, so not only is an accountant with a personality, but um, <laughs> he actually also can talk to you guys about income protection, because one of the biggest things from a broker point of view, that when I have conversations with the clients, it's not about how much, but I talk about how much you can borrow, it's how much you want to pay and how much you can afford. But if you are a couple, what happens if, and a real life example for me is I had a client in my office who had a fractured knee, so fractured patella. He was off work for four and a half months and his wife wasn't really working. So he comes to me three and a half months in arrears with virtually an eviction notice. And I had to try and refinance that property, which I did by the way, but he got behind because he didn't have income protection. So Luke's gonna talk a few things today about that. So guys, welcome Luke from Cocoa County. Now, who know, who's got income protection and knows how much they're covered for? Not many. Not many. Now, on my awesome presentation that I had there, one of the <laughs> best diagrams I had was a house, but underneath it, obviously, you've got your foundation, and underneath that, the, well, the foundation for income protection has to be your income. If you have no income, you really can't sustain um, having mortgage repayments. And a lot of people who come to us to get their finances reviewed, to make sure they're up to date with their insurances and investments and things like that, the first thing we look at is making sure they have an adequate level of income protection insurance. And whilst working with Craig, there's a lot of... Um, clients who will come to Craig but then they'll come over to me and they'll basically be saying, can I afford this house? And if I can, um, how can we get the income protection to a level that we can actually sustain the repayments if something was to happen? Like Craig was just explaining in that example. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, I, following on from what Rob and Cliff were saying, this is the boring subject because we're talking about money, finances, budgeting, cash flow, insurances and affordability. And a lot of people will rush headfirst into getting a mortgage um, just for the purposes of getting their first house. Um, but they will neglect to come and see their financial planner or accountant to see if they actually can afford it. Because the banks will go through and work out, yes, affordability is there to make sure they can afford it. but. Whether or not they can actually sustain it, um, it's a very advisable to go and see your financial planner or accountant to make sure it's the best option for you because your accountant or financial planner will go through a lot more information than what a bank will 
although the bank does go through it quite extensively. The Accountant Financial Planner has a, um, a really big obligation. To so income protection insurance will really cover you if you have an accident, cover your mortgage repayments, your utility bills, groceries, education, other loan repayments, other insurances that you need to pay for, holidays, savings for future. So the whole value of getting it is security and peace of mind if something was to happen to you. And it really does allow you to focus on recovery to actually get back to work. Um, and one major reason that insurance companies only provide income protection insurance for up to 75% of your income is they really want you to get back to work. That's the incentive to actually get back to work. Um, but working with clients that we have, we try and top that up with other insurances that you can take out, like trauma insurance and stuff like that. Um, and then we also look at your life insurance and making sure that's covered. Um, so my talk today is making sure you've got enough income protection to actually sustain it if something did happen. Um, obviously there's a whole facet that we, we do at work, but this is what we're focusing on today. Um, and the other two ugly things are budgeting and cash flow, where you go through and make sure you're budgeting properly, your cash flow is up to date, we can track it for you, make sure it's all there. We've got the right programs to track it for you. Um, to say, look, we've got clients who came in and, and said, look, in six months' time, this is where we want to be. And how can we manage that? Um, this is where we think we need help with, um, because we think we're spending too much in these areas, but we're not sure. So we really sit down and go through it, um, look the right program to say, look, after the end of each week, we can sit down, go through expenses, and see if that was on track. Um, and if not, we can say why not, or just in a normal week. And then at the end of that six month period, they're there, which is um, obviously what their goal was. Otherwise, you're just floating around. You not know if you're actually there or not. And just on Luke's point too, has anyone, other than a few people I know in the room, or one, um, has anyone recently actually applied for finance for a home loan? And during the process, Benny, you're asked, what are your monthly expenses? That is a government legislation that's been brought in across the banks in the last 12 months or more, where now banks want to know your monthly expenses. And even if you actually tell the truth or shade the truth, they already have an index, and Jeff would know, like Heritage Bank, for a single adult it might be X, for an adult and a child it might be Y, but when we submit a loan to you, you will look at what we declare, that's right, yeah? That's right, yeah. So having a review with Luke, whether it be not just your income protection or everything like that, it is quite, they will look at, you look at your finances, look at your monthly expenses, that, that's how it's going at the moment. So having a review with Luke is um, a good opportunity to get them on track as well. Cool. Um, all good. All right, Luke, we'll have Luke back at the end. Thanks, Luke. I'm going to move along now. Um, I've known Michael for a number of years. He was the uh, same high school as me, better looking and a faster runner. <laughs> Still is. And uh, now he's the uh, principal partner of Kells at uh, Wollongong Mitchell Harbour. Harbour. So Michael had a great presentation, I presentation as too, well. Yeah, um, so I'm happy to email it to everyone since it's. I can actually get it. No, it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, so I. Along with a, a number of the people in the room that you've already heard from, I believe in surrounding myself with professionals. My presentation, I just want to cut, touch on a couple of things. Principally, I'm just going to talk about the stamp duty changes that came in with the state budget in uh, July this year. 
Um, but I'm available at the end for questions. I mean, there's all sorts of things involved when you buy a house. Um, so um, ask me whatever you want at the end as well. Um, so I thought I'd start by asking this, and I have a prize as well. Um, since, so the first homeowners grant scheme came into effect on the 1st of July 2000, which was also the day the GST came forward. Um, there are two, there's two parts to the scheme. Um, one of them is the grant, so I meant it's currently 10 grand. Uh, it's been all sorts of different numbers, but it's currently 10 grand. Um, it's funded by the federal government, but it's administered by the states. Um, not much changed recently with that, but there was one small change that maybe slipped under the radar. Um, you still have to buy a brand new home, so that part is the part that hasn't changed. First home owners grant, the 10 grand payment still only applies to brand new homes or if you're building a new home. Uh, what did change is the threshold used to be 750 grand. Um, the government lowered it to 600. So you now only get it if you're buying a first home that's 600 grand or less. So that's sort of shrinks your pool a bit. Um, the 750 for some bizarre reason still applies if you're building a home. So if you're building a home and the contract price is 750 grand or less, you get 10 grand. If you're buying a brand new home, it now has to be under $600,000 before you get the grant. Um, the second component of the scheme is the stamp duty stuff, and that's the one that's changed with the New South Wales state government recently. Um, the new scheme is now called the First Home Buyers Assistance Scheme. Um, someone mentioned this before. So the exemptions now apply, the big change was it now applies to existing dwellings. So it used to apply to existing dwellings years ago, they then made it new dwellings, it's now back to existing dwellings. Um, the threshold for that is, someone mentioned before, $650,000. If you want a tow for that, I don't have any. Um, you get a complete exemption from stamp duty up to that amount. Um, you get phased out exemptions, so it sort of tapers down uh, up to $800,000. Over eight hundred grand, you get no exemptions whatsoever. Um, I'd encourage everyone, if they want to run those numbers, the Office of State Revenue, I think Rob mentioned before, has a really handy calculator. Put in the purchase price, tick that you're a first home buyer, it actually just works out for you straight away. Um, there were no changes made to that scheme for vacant land, so it does also apply for vacant land. You buy a block of land out of Calderwood, like Craig said, you're going to build your first home on it. Um, you get a complete exemption for stamp duty up to $350,000, and it phases out down to four fifty. dollars So um, again, four sixty, dollars you don't get any exemption whatsoever. Up to four fifty, dollars you still get some sort of discount. Mm. Um, they have a few requirements. And I say this to people, they, the OSR, the Office of State Revenue, says they audit one in three applications. Um, I don't know if it's that high, but I've certainly had heaps of clients that get audited. And the principal thing they're auditing people on there is the residence requirement. So people would, would be aware if it's a first home, um, if, you, if you're applying under the first homeowner scheme, first home, you actually have to live there. Um, that requirement is um, that you need to occupy the property for a continuous period of six months, uh, commencing within the first 12 months of settlement. So I have lots of clients that can be read a few ways. I have lots of clients that buy a property that's an investment property. Um, or sorry, it's currently tenanted with a tenant in there. They're buying it to use as their first home, but they're happy for that tenant to stay for the next six months because it's helping them, what they're you know, saving a bit more money and it's paying their mortgage. That's completely fine. As long as you move into that property um, on the 11th month, on the 30th day of the 11th month, so just one day beforehand, and live there for six months, you qualify. Um, similarly, if you move in the day it settles, you're there for six months and you take off, you qualify. Um, the OSR does ask you to produce things that show you've lived there. Um, rates notice. Yeah, rates notice. Water Well, no, it's usually it's water? Using our water, water usage yeah. or yeah. electricity in your own name, telephone in your own name, Foxtel in your own name, things like that. Um, if you apply for and get the grant or the stamp duty exemption because you intend to live there, um, but then after six months, nine months, ten months, whatever, something happens and it means you can't move in, my advice would be tell them. 
um, you'll have to pay back the stamp duty exemption that you got, but it's worse than being caught out because they can actually impose penalties up to 100% of the stamp duty exemption that you got. Excuse me. Um, the other thing I'll just say on that is um, everyone that applies for the grant or the stamp duty exemption needs to be a first home buyer, so never have owned property before. There is an exception to that. You guys might talk about it when parents help you out. So. Um, another change that came out on the 1st of July was um, previously if your parents needed to go on the title deed to the property, so they needed to buy it with you to assist with the loan or the finance application, as long as their share was no more than 5%, you still got the grant. That stays the same. So if your parents own 5%, you own 95%, <coughs> but you're still entitled to the stamp duty exemption in full. Uh, the change was your parents can now own up to 50% of the property and you can still get a, a reducing amount of exemption. You don't get a full exemption, uh, but it sort of tapers down as well. So um, I don't know, the bank guys might talk about that. Maybe it's a requirement still that your parents are on title for a loan. Maybe it's not yet, yeah. Um, <coughs> the only last thing I wanted to talk about was off the plan purchases. So really that's the concept of where you buy something that's yet to be constructed. Uh, it happens a lot with units and um, townhouse developments, plenty of them going up all over the place. Uh, if you're buying something off the plan, um, you previously had 15 months to pay your stamp duty. So if you signed a contract to buy something off the plan and it was going to take 18 months to be built or you know, whatever it was, your stamp duty wasn't due until 15 months after that. So they gave you a bit of time to, to save that impost. This is if you have to pay stamp duty, so I'm just bearing, bearing that in mind. Uh, if you're exempt from it, it doesn't apply. It's only if you, if you have to pay stamp duty. Um, now if you're an investor, and I think this was introduced to try and cool the speculative investor market, now if you're an investor you have to pay stamp duty within three months. So for anyone in the room that is looking to invest, bear that in mind. Uh, if you're going to occupy it though, so if you're going to live there as your principal residence, you still get 50%. <coughs> so the change really was to sting investors by bringing forward their stamp duty. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Cheers, well done. Uh, some good advice there, like I said, and take him up. We're going to have the panel a bit later. Uh, next guest is a, another real estate agent and um, a friend of mine from high school, Lisa McDonald. She's um, had her own travel business, very successful, and her family's been in real estate for many, many years. And now Lisa's joined uh, the team at Ray White Shell Harbour Barilla. So Lisa's going to have a bit of a chat with you guys as well. Different market for PRD. And uh, just like Cliff, lovely personality. But she's not selling her house. <laughs> Hello, thanks for coming. Um, yeah, so I'm representing Ray White down at Gorilla. Um, so basically, when you're looking for a first home, the market changes all the time. I've only been in the industry for a few months, I'll be honest, um, but I've bought my own home, I've renovated my own home, I've bought land, I've designed my own home with an architect, we own and built our own home, we're in our dream home. So I've, I've gone through everything. I have three children and a husband. So, you know, I have been selling smaller dreams, now I'm selling the big dreams. So I have personally walked in, in those shoes. I've bought my first home. My first home was a little unit down there on Reddle Parade. Mm. Um, yeah, no, but the best thing was when I met my future partner, I was able to sell that. And um, back in the day, in the little ragamuffin circuit in Shellcove, we bought our first block of land for $89,000. Built our beautiful five-bedroom Claridon home for $115,000, and then we sold it at our little neighbours here. Um, we we made a killing, and the people next door unfortunately got divorced. So we kind of said, "Oh, we'd like to buy your block of land," and um, we bought that for $110,000, and then we sold that nearly 14 months later for nearly $400,000, and that's 
why we've made some great decisions, but we bought in a market that was growing and growing, and I just uh, worry about my three children and think, God, how are they going to afford anything? That's why our house has four-car garage, because I think they'll be there for a while. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we were very lucky. We got into Shell Cove back in 1999. I was a 10-year-old first home buyer, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, so it's all irrelevant to today's scenario. You know, wages, unfortunately, haven't doubled, but especially Shell Cove, you kind of think that prices are ridiculously inflated. When you look now, almost the figures, we were doing um, the new land release, they're up to 15.60 per square metre for a block of land in Shell Cove. So when's it gonna stop? When are you gonna buy your first home? These are the questions that probably keep you awake at night. Um, if it's not yourself, it's your kids. Um, I have sold my first property in the first five weeks of real estate to my nephew. Um, <laughs> you are buying this. You are buying it. It makes me look good. But, you know, he was uh, able to buy, you know, a nice old cottage on Shell Harbour Road for $450,000. The future is he'll, you know, come and see Craig and need some more money and build some units. But, you know, there is possibilities out there for first-time buyers. Now, the reason I'm here is I don't have, you know, a great sales record to tell you that I'm not the top seller in Australia at all, but I'm a people person and I have contacts. My people talk to your people, vice versa. Um, I have access to a fabulous database um, and I am constantly um, looking for finding properties that match the people that I have relationships with. So if you guys are seriously, seriously looking at buying a first home within you know, a given 12 months to two years, we need to be in contact because the market changes so quickly. Um, properties that are in pipeline, you know, they haven't even been listed. Sometimes they're sold almost as the contract is signed. You know, the sorry, the agency agreement is signed in the office. We have such a large database. If you're seriously looking for a first home and you're not in contact with an agent, or you don't even have a relationship with an agent or a financial broker, you're, not, you're never going to buy your first home. Guys, this is Jeff from Heritage Bank. I've got a little bit of a blurb there, but you want to tell us just a little bit about Heritage Bank. Uh, I'm going to touch on the family pledge stuff, but yep. there you go. Hi, guys. Um, I'm local too, even though I work for Heritage Bank, which is a uh, Queensland-based bank. Um, we're in Toowoomba um, in the country, and um, you know we're, we're equivalent to the... You know, the St George Bank back in the day, just that friendly bank, um, that's what we're known as up in Queensland. And, um, and what we've done is we've come down to Sydney, into New South Wales, into Victoria, through the broker channel, not through branches. Uh, so we don't have any branches in New South Wales or Victoria. They're all located up in Queensland. And we use the services of Craig to go out. Craig has um, 30 uh, lenders on his panel. We're one of those lenders. So basically, um, my job is to be Craig's subject matter expert for heritage and our niches. Um, and, and a couple of times it's been mentioned that um, uh, guarantor loans or using your equity of your parents' property, we, that is one of our niches uh, at the moment. Um, and we're quite good at it. We're good at it in different ways and Craig will go through that a little bit later. Yeah, cool. I'm just going to hang around too. He's got plenty of experience, not just from a heritage point of view, but um, and he's also got an awesome lucky door prize. So uh, make sure you get that in there. Corporate card. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks no for having me, mate. But I just want to give you a little bit of information about myself. I actually graduated as a registered nurse in haematology, so I actually had this hand on the TV show RPA. 
you can sign it or shake it later if you like. But um, I was in haematology, I got out of that. I started as a teller in Commonwealth Bank, had half a personality, so they put me up through the ranks. And then I went into credit. So credit is actually where they assess your home loans. And I was assessing home loans for four or five different banks and they actually gave me a designated authority up to 750,000. So what that means is whatever hit my desk, I could sign off on up to 750,000, yet my wife wouldn't trust me to do anything at home, you know? So um, that was pretty exciting. But again, uh, I had half a personality and I started looking after all the brokers throughout New South Wales for about five different banks like ANZ and Adelaide Bank and um, First Mac and some of the non-bank lenders out there. And um, my role, like Jeff's role, was actually like business development. So the brokers, they'd ring Jeff or me and say, I've got this scenario, what do I do, blah, blah, blah. We'd tell them how to do it, and then they'd come back to you, the broker, and go, I've got that solution for you, and here it is. And anyway, back in 2009, I grew up in Gerringong, moved to Sydney playing football for West and nursing and all that. Um, my wife and I, Lisa, I, I reckon, I know about you guys, this is the best area to live. Like, you've got mountains and beaches, no more than 15 minutes away, and it's a great place to grow up. So 2009, I was lucky enough to get bank manager role with Westpac, moved back, um, became a bank manager, and was there for a number of years. In the last five years, I was at the Greater Bank uh, at Shell Harbour and also Wollongong. And about 12 months ago, I just sat down one day and, and I thought, you know what, I'd rather, nothing against Westpac or the Greater, but... Uh, I don't charge anything. Everything I do is completely free. The way we get remunerated is if we place someone with heritage or whatever institution, they actually pay us. And the beauty of it is they pretty much all pay the same. They, and it's all disclosed to you guys. Now, um, being completely impartial for a first home buyer is probably the best thing I can say because I help you take the emotion out of it. And I just printed out a little list which would have been on my PowerPoint. But there's at least... 15 different banks just on this sheet that have complete different niches for first home buyers out there and Heritage is one of them and I'll touch on one of their strengths. But a few questions that are out there at the moment, we do do, we do a lot of free um, advertising with local businesses, I call it a Friday freebie. So every Friday I get on there and I do free advertising for local business. I actually give away prizes nearly every single week on Father's Day. We just gave away a Father's Day hamper. Um, we've given away grilled vouchers. So it's a bit of fun, but it's all about giving back to the local community and su supporting local community. So get on our page. Um, I really pay myself out. I should have prayed, uh, failed preschool because of my drawing, but I do a lot of that stuff. We talked about it across the day, but if you're a first home buyer, do you actually think how much can I borrow, or do you actually think how much can I afford? Which one do you probably lean towards? Cool. It's pretty much the right, the, the right mindset because you could walk in, and no disrespect, I don't know incomes in the room, but a couple could walk in on 100 grand a year each, or 50 grand, or 60 grand a year, and they can, with the market and the rates they are, they can afford seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. But is that realistic? So we always bring it back to how much you can afford. And by sitting down with over 30 odd lenders, everything I do is completely free. I can, give, I can show you every single rate comparison, fixed rate, little things that we talk about, like do you want a variable rate and what does that mean? You know, do, I, do you want a fixed rate and what does that mean? Do you want peace of mind and security? If you're a young couple having kids, maybe a fixed rate, maybe not. Um, we talk about a question I've got there is um, around mortgage insurance. Being a first home buyer, you've probably heard that word, mortgage insurance. 
To me, the way I say it is it's the unnecessary evil. It's a fee payable because you're paying a higher dollar volume against the property. So what I mean by that, pretty much no matter where you go, if you've done your research, you don't pay mortgage insurance if you borrow 80% or less. That's pretty much the way it is. But as soon as you go over 80%, 81, 82, up to 90, 95, mortgage insurance can be up to tens of thousands of dollars. And that's why Jeff touched on it and Rob touched on it before about equity and whether your mum or dad give you money. You know, that's a different story and that's a hell of a different conversation. But in saying that, there are different ways out there and I'll touch on that as well. Things like, when I talk about, I'll, I'll just say LVR, loan to value ratio, when we're talking first home buyers, what is loan to value ratio? Really, the maximum you can borrow these days across the board with any of the banks is about 95%, and that can be including of mortgage insurance, or some banks will let you put the mortgage insurance on top of your loan, which means it comes at, it saves you on your savings, okay? And by having access to 30 odd lenders, I can show you that. There's ones off the top of my head like ME Bank, um, can believe it or not, Richard Branson's got back into the market with Virgin Money. They're doing up to 99%. So there are options out there, but with that comes risk as well because the rates aren't normal rates. How hard has it been a first home buyer? Honestly, how hard has it been to save money and to save up to get a deposit? Has it been hard? Like, when you look at a purchase price for a block of land or a house, my advice when I talk to any of my clients is think 10% straight away in your head. If you see something for 600,000, straight away in your head you should be thinking 60. And the reason I say that, it doesn't mean you're gonna borrow 90% of the value. It just means, like I touched on before, you can borrow up to 95, but the more money that's in your pocket, the better. And this is where family pledge home loans comes in. Has everyone heard about family pledge home loans or another word is guarantor? Yeah? So, Family pledge, and I had, like Luke and like um, Michael, I had a really awesome little diagram. And again, check out my Facebook stuff, so I'm crap at drawing, but I draw it all. Um, long story short, if I can pretend I'm not as big as a house, but I'm two houses. If mum and dad have a house, and like Rob said, let's just say they own it outright, right? They know how hard it is for you to get into the property market, but they're willing to put their house up as security. Now, someone like Heritage Bank have an awesome product where they'll actually take a limited guarantee against mum and dad. So what I mean by that is, let's say on a um, $600,000 property, because it was all in the diagram, a limited guarantee of mum and dad's of 150, which means you don't pay mortgage insurance, right? And then on the other side, you borrow 80% against your property. So your 150, and your 480,000 together is 630,000, which is more than enough to buy that property and pay any fees and charges. And if you weren't a first home buyer, more than enough to pay stamp duty. And one of the products that Heritage Bank have, which I actually had in there, they will also, if you had a debt, let you refinance up to 5%, is it Jeff? Of the purchase price. Plus, what if you bought one of those properties off Lisa or Cliff that needs a bit of renos? up to $50,000 cash as well to go towards the renovation. Now, family pledge isn't a dirty word, and what mum and dad are gonna think straight away is, how long's that loan gonna be there, and that's on my name, and I wanna go and invest. One thing I concentrate on with any clients that 
the parents are willing, and it's not just parents, it's any direct um, relative, it's any direct sibling that's related to you, is that 150,000, you concentrate on paying that off as quickly as possible, and you put the other 400 or whatever it is on a two year, one year, three year fix, and you try and pay this loan down as quickly as possible. Everything, little things that you may have heard of, like have an offset account, what is that? Everything that goes in that offset account, fully off. I do believe the way the future is going to be family pledge home loans. I really do believe it. Touching on what Lisa said and what Cliff said, and as you guys have seen and heard from what Rob said, property prices and land prices potentially are only going up. The only way to help anyone get into the property market besides saving hard is talking to mum and dad about the options of a family pledge home loan, whether it be through Heritage or there's plenty of other lenders that I have access to. And in saying that, parents can go and see someone like Kells and go and get free independent legal advice. Not free, go and get independent legal <laughs> advice. But if you mention this ad, you'll get free. No, you will get independent legal advice. And you know what that's for? That's to protect them. And then you go get your income protection because you say, Mum and Dad, thanks for helping me out. By the way, I'll pay that independent legal advice for Kells because you're helping me out by giving me 150 grand. And I've got income protection. So if anything goes wrong, I know I'm covered. So everyone in this room, it's about holistically looking after you guys and giving you the right guidance. And that's why we formed tonight. And I encourage you when we get everyone back up here, there are no silly questions. Ask away because no one's charging anything. Um, that was my awesome diagram that I actually did today to prove that I did something at work. And um, what else did I have there? My five, tip, five top tips for a first home buyer, and I've touched on it a few, few times. Take the emotion out of it. You've got to take the emotion out of it, no matter how hard it is. It is so hard walking into open homes and falling in love with it. And the amount of interviews that I've had was going, oh, she loves it, but I hate it, or whatever it may be. And, and like Lisa and what Cliff has said, there are so many of you first home buyers in this market currently looking at the same purchase price. So you've got to be ready to act straight away. And there's even things like deposit bonds that I can organise. It takes me 15 minutes so you can get into the market as well. Um, we talked about how much you can afford and how much you can borrow. Um, Michael talked about it as well. Do you want to rent it out and then move into it? Move in it, rent it out? There are definitely options. Do you actually buy an investment and not your first home? Do you suck it up and go, you know what? Let's buy something that's going to grow equity in 12 months or 18 months. Let's stay with mum and dad, bugger the first home buyer's grant, and that's our deposit on our dream home. You know, So it's about having that long game as well. And um, you know, budget for changes in your life. That's what we talked about before. Are you going to have kids? Are you going to have a poodle? There's 1,200 bucks. You know, little things like that. Um, two poodles. Uh, um, and... Everyone in this room has told you one important thing, which is research. You can't do enough research because it's one of the biggest investments in your life. And you've got people in this room, including myself, that will give you that information for free and tap into it. Thank you for listening to Hello Strata. You'll find show notes and links for everything in this episode at coastalstrata.com.au. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and share. This podcast is general in nature and should not be relied upon for your individual circumstances.